Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm very excited to have Philip here in my beautiful podcast. I am very glad that I have met him 2017 in Thailand. Uh, yeah, where we had some like a great trip, good experiences, uh, but also bad ones, which uh, was great, was a great bonding factor at the end of the day. And yeah, we met, I think, was it already a year back in Munich? Not sure. But we had some very interesting conversations. Um, he has, I think, a little bit of a different approach maybe than I have. Um, and yeah, he's just, I think he's going to, to be a very interesting interview partner and is extremely smart uh, in, in my point of view and has um, yeah, an, a very interesting approach on how he is living, how he's succeeding in his life. And I'm very interested in diving into his life. So welcome to this podcast. And yeah, thank you so much for making the time being here. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be on here too. And finally to talk to you again after all this time, because as you said, it's been a year uh, that we've seen each other in person. But you're doing me injustice with all these compliments. I'm just like, for my, for my complexity, I'm just an average student. Yeah, but I'm excited to be here and... So yeah, 100%. Um, I'm very excited to have you. Um, as I already said um, in the beginning... Just give us maybe a brief introduction where you are at your life at the moment. And then, I don't know, we can dive a little bit into, into your journey, into your development as well. And yeah, insights in, in your life as well. So where are you at in the moment? Where are you located? What are you doing to, to get the audience with us? Okay, so I'm starting with the obvious because um, right now I'm in Munich in Germany. Um, I just started my master's degree um, in business psychology and yeah that's like that's the right now the status quo picture but uh, if you're looking at my history it's kind of more complicated yeah I, I was born in northern Italy like little country of South Tyrol in the mountains and uh, yeah I was always interested in technology and I came to Munich to study uh, IT developing code but that wasn't the way meant for me uh, so i looked for an alternative and uh, the great alternative i found was business psychology and i thought yeah why if i can't program machines maybe program people <laughs> to, to give it a bad spin uh no um no it was a really interesting bachelor's degree which i finished earlier this year and uh, yeah after some Yeah, after some working, I started my master's and now I'm going to change jobs again. And a very exciting point in life for, for myself. Maybe maybe it's just normal, but for myself, yeah. No, definitely. 100%. I mean, I think in general, like turning points, transition points are always very interesting. Obviously, it's yeah. change. Change is always something exciting i think and also i mean for, for me sometimes it's even something scary like depending like for example when i started the podcast it was also like weird to talk the first episodes and and having this change as well coming back um to to your university um to your daily life what is, are your priorities when it comes to to your life when it comes to your kind of belief system because for me my priority a lot of times i mean i cannot say it's just happiness because obviously there are things which are going to be a little heavier but i like to always have this positive drive what is this 
driver you have in your life or you try to talk before the interview about that yeah so um thank you <laughs> it's very interesting that we move from uh, the classic introduction to the more spiritual one actually it is the more important one i mean we're used to start off with our professional careers what we did and what we're gonna do um but as you as you rightly point out it's very important where we come from on a spiritual or like mind, mindset level my belief system <laughs> chapter one <laughs> um, no uh, i'm a firm believer in science but i'm also a firm bender of facts when talking <laughs> so there's like there's already the the conflict i have to say that most of my belief system now originated when i started studying like um in college as you might say i uh, came in like i know it's pretty late but it's the first time i was really in contact with real studies and everything and i was still new to the whole scientific stuff and when i started thinking more about it diving deep into the topic and coming from like the sciencey background into philosophy which i want to talk more about later on <laughs> It came to my mind that yeah well it's kind of all interconnected and uh, maybe it's not all about like numbers and, and hard facts maybe maybe i got to think a little bit more about uh, like the soft facts in our world and yeah this journey began i think two years ago kind of two years ago and when i started And and like, what were those like main shifting points on those journey? Like, what made you realize a lot? What made you connect a lot of thoughts when when you go on into your like personal journey to 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 kind of like center yourself where you feel good? Kind of, it doesn't have to be the yeah. obviously. It's not the same than than system I set up for myself because everyone I think finds his own like happy bubble where they feel comfortable and well yeah happy bubble is a nice buzzword um I think that as for most journeys of improvement or most big change initiatives mine also started with a crisis it was yeah like as you said we met in 2018 um like in 2018 in Thailand A month later, I went to China to study there, which was an amazing experience. And uh, like, I still think of it very nicely, even if there were some downsides. <laughs> But then when I came back from China, there were um, various things in my life. I mean, like, I don't know who, what are the levels of, of, of bad life and good life and whatever. But um, there were some situations like finding a place to live again in Germany and then moving a lot. And then like, because I didn't have a fixed place to stay, like um, traveling a lot between. And then my girlfriend, uh, which I met at that time um, was in Vienna. So I had to travel from my hometown in Italy to Vienna and then to Munich. And like, I always had this triangle and it was a very stressful time. And like, it was, indeed as stressful that I um, developed a kind of anxiety around it, around traveling. And because I couldn't change things back then uh, at the moment, um, it was very difficult for me to handle the whole situation. It was, it was at that time uh, that I decided to like 
slow down a bit with the gears of uh, studying and working and everything and uh, thinking a bit more about myself. What were those shifting points you, you, you now began? But do you just sit with yourself and you thought of um, potential things you could change in your life? Or I feel like you did it differently. Like a lot of people are might just, for example, when it comes to the more spiritual side, I don't know, start diaries, start drawing, start, um, I don't know, creating, I don't know, music, whatever, like to, to find themselves, to find this like mm -hmm. meditational stuff kind of and okay. how did you do it for yourself what was this like meditation obviously in brackets because meditation doesn't need to be meditation for my well my artistic side was always kind of weak uh, <laughs> i kind of left it uh, off in my childhood um and also i wasn't the very um very mindful teenager i'd say um, meditation is still very difficult for me. Um, I like I would lie if I say I do it more than every few months once in a while. Um, I, I try to be mindful in other ways. Um, yeah. Every now and then I take a walk without my headphones and, and like just thinking for myself or maybe with my headphones, but without music just for the quietness and the silence. But yeah, I like what helped me at that time specifically is what uh, like talking to my family. My family was very um, concerned about my situation and because it was feeling unwell. And, you know, obviously if you're feeling unwell, you can't pursue your dreams. Like you can't um, perform really well. Yeah. So it was kind of, everything was kind of hurting because my, my grades were hurting my work, my, my interests, like everything, uh, even my relationship was hurting kind of. And then like when I was talking to my family very openly, um, They said no it's it's okay like if, if you feel like it uh, we could talk about like maybe therapy and i was like yeah you know maybe it's a good idea and and i tried it out i actually went to therapy a few months but i think that's actually a good thing i think more people should go to therapy 100%. before it's too late like yeah. earlier than the the explosion um yeah and uh yeah actually i had a very nice therapist and uh He got me kind of back on track, like he helped me help myself over the course of half a year to a year, maybe I uh, started to like focus more on myself, not on a pity level, because like when you're, when your mind is ill, like when you're, when you have anxiety, when you have depression, you usually pity yourself, like not in a positive way. And if you can shift that to a positive mood, you can concentrate more, or at least I think that's how it works. And you can focus more on exploiting, um, oh, that's a bad word, using, um, yeah, using your, your skill set, seeing it as it is and expanding on it. With, the, with this shift, did you like at the same level, I don't know, started reading what you do a lot started like educating yourself also about this topic even more or was it just the main focus on the therapy which really was good for you and i also to agree with you like also yeah. like i think it's very like people might feel like negative or like it feels negative to like say it out loud but i mean especially like also in, in, in our um university back in holland The, the therapist was like fully booked out for the university. Like, like a lot of people, I didn't thought they, they are going there 
went there. And I really love to see that happening because even so, if it's just talking an hour with a professional, I think it can be a game changer. Even, even if you have a slight problem, I think it's super beneficial um, for yourself to do that and, and be honest with yourself and say, hey, um, I need this kind of like nice reminder. I need those, maybe some practices to like just be, I don't know, like if it is a, in your healing process, I think it's beautiful to do it and be honest with yourself. But again, back to back to the topic. Did you do anything additional to do those um, therapy sessions to to get yourself back on track, um, or did you use the practices or those conversations to get yeah. energy? Um, I mean, first, I want to say you're absolutely right. Going to the therapist should be as normal as going to the doctor. Like, if your knee hurts, you go to the doctor. If your mind hurts, go to the therapist. You should do that. Everybody should do that. Hundred um, percent. And then, like, for your question, in terms of reading, um, I mean, you know me, I'm an avid reader. Um, yeah, I, I read a lot and I don't scare away from difficult books either. This sounds kind of arrogant, but like, no, <laughs> I mean, I, it, it is the truth. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, I was reading a lot as a child, like I was reading from very early on and reading thick books all the way. Um, and then, you know, as a teenager, you shift your interests and then I, it, I kind of lost it. In university, when I came first to university, I had this picture in mind, this scheme of this, of this, perf this image of the perfect student that studies and also reads a lot and educates himself in many different dimensions. But I, I couldn't do it. I was, it was impossible for me during the first, I mean, obviously, because university is a lot more difficult than high school. Um, it, it was very difficult for me to keep on track reading and to motivate myself. Yeah. And in, in China, especially in China, I read almost only like nonfiction books and it was hard on myself. I, I came to almost hate them. And back home, one of the th first things I, uh, I found out with my therapist was actually that... Um, Maybe I shouldn't force myself to read difficult stuff. Maybe I should just like embrace what I like to read and then the difficult stuff comes like comes if it comes and if yeah. not, there's not a problem about it. And I actually restarted uh, reading then and I started with, it was Children of Time, I think. It's a science fiction novel and I, I did a very cool thing. I started with my girlfriend together. Um, we met like our own private book club. We would buy the same book. And then like make it a competition reading it. That sounds bad again, but <laughs> no, 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 that's it, it, amazing. Was, it wasn't really a competition. I mean, um, sometimes I would have less time. Some, sometimes she would have less time, yeah. but we managed to like with the dialogue about the books and like wanting to be up to date, similar to a TV series maybe. Yeah. And also like the calmness of reading, because like, as you, tr as you start reading again, especially fiction novels, there's something really enjoyable about them. It's somehow like watching a movie, but without the flaring pictures. Um, and it also it sparks your imagination. Yeah, that's how, how we kind of started. It was like soon after my first very hard anxiety attack that I restarted reading and it was a pleasurable exercise. Yeah, and then like, I don't know, 10 or 12 novels down the line we lost ourselves like now my girlfriend reads different books than i again um but i'd like to redo the experiment uh maybe with the start of next year again because it 
it's it's a very nice thing to have your own private book club. It, 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 no, it, I think also also it's amazing what you said. Like instead of like talking about Netflix shows, um, talking actually about books, I think is also more powerful because I mean, yeah. every, I think everyone knows the feeling. If you, I don't know if if that if that can happen also to like reading a lot of books because I was never like I think I've read in my life like maybe one or two books. I'm I'm not very proud about that. I have to say, but I'm sadly not the person who can read a lot. But when it comes to Netflix shows, what I wanted to say is you feel this exhaustment when you watch like three or four shows, kind of like you just feel like so lazy. And I don't know if that is the same with reading or if there is like a different feeling when it comes to reading, because I think it's extremely smart to to do it a different way and not this like very chill. You're just sitting there, don't have to do anything. You just listen and, and consume without really thinking about it. And it's not even what you also said, sparking your mind at all. Like you don't have to kind of, it's just your brain goes there and it's just there yeah. without doing anything. Um, and that was like, a big, yeah, yeah, go on. Sorry. No, that, that was a big point actually. Um, not, not that you're, you mentioned it in reading these books, um, especially nonfiction books. Like usually you think like I'm, I'm sick. I have to read like a doctor's manual, but sometimes if you're not feeling well, a good story is just the thing you need. And like, I started off with like easy fiction, easier fiction. Um, and then I, I got into like short stories, which by now are my favorite genre. And I, I try to write them myself, but like until I publish them, they got to be perfect. So maybe never. <laughs> I gained a lot of, I would also call, I would call it life lessons. I gained a lot of life lessons uh, from those novels, like just the inside in a tragic story or in a very happy story or in a very like world building story you can on a i, I don't know about facts but <laughs> or, but for an emotional level you can learn a lot from them no, um from novels it's and stories interesting sorry for interrupting it's so interesting that you like those takeaways you're gaining from those uh, that, that's actually like transmittable to your like real life like uh, specific situations i think that's extremely interesting I, I'm, I'm, I, I never thought of this aspect to be very honest like I think I really like this idea and I think it's um, very cool expressed and and why what are those like short stories you're talking about like why do you like them so much are they like just mm -hmm. quicker compressed so, or what's yeah. the difference no um, I don't know the definition of a short story but uh, for me The short story in the classical sense, like um, authors like Hemingway, maybe, or modern authors like authors like uh, Ted Chan, or in between like uh, Borges, um, those authors, they, I mean, they're very different, but like the the conveying of a message or even of a feeling or a situation, or maybe like just tickling your mind on a few pages. I think that's an art form like one of the higher art forms like it's, it's not very easy like if tiktoks is maybe on the lower art form like just tickle your uh, entertainment feelings um reading a short story from i don't know like for example from borges if there is like that's maybe some of the more difficult ones it really challenges your mind on a not on a technical level because like it's usually i don't say nonsense but it's like it's fiction yeah but it's on a on an emotional intellectual level it, it kind of it engages you to think about certain 
certain systems, certain situations. Yeah. Interesting. I yeah, know it's it's impressive. I, I and it, it's it's very interesting to me. Like since I'm like so so opposite of you in this case. Um, and I don't know. I, I like I just. For, for me, how I gained like all those insights about life, about like, I was always, I felt like from a young age an observer of like situations. I like to, to watch teachers, watch people, leading people, um, just by observing, listening and how they interacted. That is where I tried to, or I think I got my insights on how to communicate with people. Also by um, getting feeling what the other person feels kind of like on an emotional level try to like um see what they are going through i think i gained a lot of experiences and try to get get to understand people that was like one of the things i was very heavily in like maybe a year ago i was really trying to understand people when it comes from like why is this person how they are like like why is this person communicating this way um, what is is the why is the emotion like what is this emotion triggered by also like talking about myself like it's super yeah. interesting for me when I was looking at myself and I was asking why am I getting triggered now what, what's like what's going on with me and and those were just like giving me a lot of answers sometimes it took a while because obviously it's not easy to to understand yourself at all um but I learned a lot from just like asking constantly questions about other people about why they are acting uh, a specific way yeah but but that's all right i mean like as we talked like before this podcast started yeah. we talked about it um introspection is one like it's it's very important and many people don't do it like or or do it very seldom people very seldomly think about themselves on a deep emotional or intellectual level and yeah i mean you're totally right to do that like self reflection is the like if you're reading the ancient Greek philosophies, then it's like the first thing they did. They, they thought about it, um, about them and, and and the things around them. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's when, right. <laughs> when, when, thank you very much. When, when it comes to like your self-reflection, when it comes to the importance of it, did you also had this point where you really reflected and asked a lot about yourself at some point was in correlation with the therapy sessions or was it afterwards where you realized damn like there are other things are more important like to 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 be have a healthy life to feel good i need those things like did you realize them could you point them out at some point like more easily or is it still like a constant process which mm -hmm. i guess it is still somehow well, yeah, it is still a search. Like I cannot pin down all the things that make me happy and will make me forever happy. I think also that's a changing, um, that is a, it is a big changing concept um, right. of, of myself as I, as I myself are changing, I'm changing and evolving, uh, then like simultaneously my interests are, are evolving True. and I, I one example maybe is the, the stuff that I'm reading. I mean, I started out as a kid with like the classics, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and all the, the, the fantasy novels. And then in school, I was forced to read like the, the big poets and literates. Like, uh, I don't know, we read 
Kafka and we read Thomas Mann, like the Germans. And, yeah. <laughs> and then in English, we read some, some English uh, authors and in, uh, in Italian, obviously you have to read Dante and um, like, you know, there are these influences. And I think that the worst thing there was to be forced to do it because like I, I was the kind of person I would read ahead of the class I was interested in reading it and like I wouldn't find time in my free time to read because I was spending it with friends and girlfriends and then parties but in school time if I had the opportunity to read I would do it um, so for me like the only problem was the forcing upon um, but my taste still developed somehow and today i read the i read other classic uh, novels like um i mean some stories from hemingway for example uh, not just to name one um or dostoevsky the the great russian uh, writer um it's, it's very interesting and uh, yeah what are we talking about introspection because like Dostoevsky yeah, no. is a very great example of, of someone who understands people very well. Yeah. No, no, yeah, like, like what I was asking in the, be in the beginning was really when you come, like, talk about those authors, like, when did you realize what you need? Many things. If I, if I would break, if I would try to break it down, I would say it's, it's the challenge. Um, I'm, I'm not very competitive, like, in between humans. It's not that I'm, like, For example, I hate sports for one reason that I don't want to compare myself against like people that are worse than me and better than me and like this this head-on-head -head competition that's not really mine. Yeah. But like I, I usually like I don't know who said that, but I like to compare myself to like today to myself yesterday. And like, yeah, am I am I better today than than I am yesterday? And if not, why not? Like, where where is the discrepancy coming from? And and I think I'm I'm doing a kind of well job to soothe that need. <laughs> um, right now, for example, with all my work and studies and reading, it's it's heavy on me, but it's it's good. I'm I'm feeling like every now and then I'm feeling steps of improvement. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that's impressive like this this mindset i think is very impressive for me like when it comes to like i was also i was read yesterday or i think the day before i was actually talking about with someone uh, or like a friend from here on, on san jose about also like sport and competing and stuff and we talked about gym and how people are i don't know want to look a certain way oh no 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 why why people are going to gym And um, my girlfriend actually said she just goes to gym for herself. Like she just wants to do the exercises, all of that for herself and without competing with anyone. I, mm -hmm. and, and I added on to this conversation that I like the competition. Like I, I, was, I was into judo for 10 years and I really like the competition <laughs> because I have some kind of competitiveness in me. So also when it comes to the podcast, I would love to be For example, as good of a podcaster as Joe Rogan, or like, obviously depends who you like, who likes Joe Rogan or not. Um, but this drives me, like I need to have this competition to have drive sometimes. And I cannot just compare myself to the person I was yesterday. Even so, I really love this um, way of thinking. And I think it's very beautiful. But for me, I need a little bit of competition to 
find the energy to to go ahead and do different things to be better than the competition. Also, when it comes to business, especially, <laughs> then I'm. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I mean that's fair. Uh, like, I, I think most of my friends that are like highly concentrated on their careers and their interests are thinking like that. Like, are very competitive, yeah. but like without judging anyone um i think that many of them um there's also a lot of envy and then like it's not that i don't feel envy like i'm i'm not a robot i have all emotions like anybody else yeah but i would say that like i would say with some certainty that i feel less envy especially on material things because obviously we, we humans we uh, we uh, contrast ourselves on material basis mostly sadly, sadly, so if you're very competitive in the game of life uh, and you see all these people having, I don't know, expensive watches and big cars and like yeah. living the lavish lifestyle and being successful in their art and careers and in their interests and in their relationships. If you don't compare yourself to yourself, if you compare yourself to the others, then I think that it sparks more envy. No, you, you, you're, to you're totally right. Like you're totally right. And uh, maybe also, um, didn't say it correctly like it's just very specifically in my case when it comes to work sometimes what what i was really really um shifting i think the last four or five years since i'm like when i was 16 i i said to my friends hey i want i i'm gonna have one day this yacht and it was like so stupid of myself like saying that it was like i don't know 22 or something i'm gonna have this yacht and my friends always like <laughs> triggered me hey do you still don't have this yacht <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And I also said, yeah, I'm, I shifted my mindset. Like when it comes to all those like materialistic things, which you said, it took me a while to get away from that, to, to get away from this mindset um, because it, it was like, for example, I spent um, a lot of money um, for coaching. I spent over 10,000 euro for coaching, which is a lot of money for me like i earned all all this money by myself it was a very struggling time because i had to save a shit ton of money i couldn't like i had to let go of a lot of things which i would have loved to do with the money some people would have probably bought a car while having this journey to to getting this money for this coaching which i invested to to learn more about myself and to to learn a couple new skill sets I really got closer, but also before that got closer to let go of all these materialistic things, at least a little bit, because I don't think that you, like, if you fully let go, you're a monk, like, like if like living like a monk would not be possible for me because there is a certain lifestyle still you're expecting to, to be very honest and to be, be very fair to myself, but just um, not wanting to have this, this yacht, this car to impress other people who don't give a shit about you is, I think, something um, which, which people uh, who care about it should let go slowly about it because what you said, it's really stressful. Like it's stressing, there's always someone who has the bigger car, the more expensive car, the more expensive watch, which you also mentioned very beautifully. Um, what, I, what I now try to do, even so I'm not doing it enough, but I try to focus on the journey to getting somewhere, to getting to... I don't know, the first 10,000, 100,000 euro, whatever it's going to be, instead of focusing on getting this car. Because I think by getting this car, by getting the Porsche maybe, mm -hmm. it's going to be happiness for like, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks, a month. 
And then you think like it's a normal, it's a daily driver. Like you don't care about it anymore. But if you didn't enjoy the journey getting there, you wasted a shit ton of time. Yeah, definitely. Like um, if you're working towards a finite goal without further implications, probably emotional implications, then uh, then the goal is not enough. Like working for a Ferrari, like I, I tend to say to my friends that say they make, they want to make their first million. I tell them, yeah, I think if you're doing it right, the working for the first million, hypothetically, that will be fun because you have a goal, you're making progress probably, you're working hard, you're like, you're performing and like you, you see yourself approaching this goal. But as you get this goal, then either it's give me the next one and then you have to see if you're still as motivated for the first or you're just like, oh, well, it wasn't enough. I need 10 million. I need 100 million. Yeah. To be quite honest, and I don't exclude myself. I think most people can't handle these kind of decisions and these kind of things. I mean, we see it all the time with people that win the lottery or like superstars that um, like, for example, actors, if actors are really employed and invested in their roles you can see them they're living a successful life kind of but the time they're not invested in that job like the time they're not dreaming their hobby kind of what are they doing they're doing drugs they're living the high life i mean not everybody i don't want to judge everybody over one uh over one instance but like if, if you're used to this happiness and used to getting everything you want that you have the possibilities then it's very easy to become unhappy if you're not reflected on a deeper emotional level true you're very right about it and i think i i totally agree on on with what you're saying and that's also like this was i think also the big realization kind of what you just said to know if 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 i was just driving for this yacht or for one million because i think one million is like just this magical number somehow i don't know why but like for a lot of people oh, because of like, movies because of movies you're right get like, that million <laughs> yeah no like 100 and like also for me the first million i'm like even so it might sound arrogant or something but i'm, I'm sure i also at some point i'm gonna have this this million on my bank account and but out of like there's another reason behind it there is um there there is a lot of positive things i would love to do with my money a lot of charity work, which we also want to do with our, um, with my mom's company and stuff. And, and I think by enjoying the journey, getting there, first of all, I think you can, you can do yourself a favor because it takes away this, all this pressure that you need to do certain things. Because also if you, I think if you hold on, like you have to kind of have a focus on your goal, but if you hold on so strongly to it, it can make you also sick. Like this goal can make you sick in the way of like, how you maybe burn people around you, burn really good friends of you because you're so driven by this one goal. And in the end of the day, if they, I think there were also like a lot of wealthy people who realized this wealth is not giving me shit. Like in the end of the day, those are small things which we are having humans, interactions, relationships, um, people around you, your um, family who is actually making you happy and, and giving you the safe place, uh, this happy place you're looking for, especially also what you said, like the family support is something which a lot of people underrate. Like 
yeah. having the having a good and healthy family in in the back of your like as a backbone oof that's something very powerful i think and and i'm yeah. also very thankful for for having my family always backing up my kind of crazy ideas my thoughts i think it's similar in, in your family as well that they always were there and they always supported you wherever you want to go it doesn't matter well it's very interesting um i just thought of like um for the better part of the year of this year i worked um as a change manager in a medium enterprise and uh, like maybe to explain what a change manager does um we uh try and change the style of working and the structures in a company to uh to make it easier and to make it better for employees but also like make it more um make it more enjoyable but also more productive and yeah i think that's about it and i two two days ago i was in a conference like especially for this topic, for just all this organizational development and change management. And I met a lot of change managers from big companies and we had a great like, exchange of, of ideas and, and, and insights. And I think that's it's a very important topic. That's one of the reasons I chose business psychology because, I mean, we use eight hours for sleeping, kind of roughly, not everybody. We use another eight hours for working or more. And then like what is left? And you get to like have fun in those few hours. I mean, I read somewhere today that uh, the average human works 90,000 hours in their lifetime. That's eight hours a day, roughly. Yeah. So if you're changing that up, that also means that you have another 90,000 hours of sleeping, maybe less let's say 80,000 and then there's just free time and it depends you have this free time and work time kind of 50 50 split up how do you want to use that how how do you want to invest that time and like i as a change manager i try to improve the situation in companies in organizations in like firms whatever but it's also with this whole new work movement and uh, like you see the people working from remote and like massive, uh, like massive amounts of people quitting their jobs because they're unhappy. We're living in exciting times. And yeah, it's, it's important to do something with, with that you're happy. Like it doesn't have to be the perfect job, but you have to like move it around so that you can use in combination with your free hours and working hours. The most of the time should be used how you want it to be used. Like, yeah. There is no certain right way, but yeah. No, I, I think you're like totally right. And it's also like, I really love those numbers you pointed out there. Like um, you said, I think 90,000 hours. And it would be very upsetting if you do that in a job, which you really don't like, in a position you really dislike. So like if you wake up on Monday morning and you're very upset with the where you have to go, damn you should really like yeah. someone should really and many people are yeah a lot. many people are way too many i i totally agree with you and i think that's um, as you also mentioned perfectly like i think it's so upsetting to see that like if you compare that with your like lifetime and how much like how you spend time and and it's yeah it's, it's just sad to see um, and but i think um yeah. If, you, if you want to change it, obviously you can change it up. And, and also what was like the, the, I don't know, do you have one example on, on change 
what made a big impact on the company, which was which might seem like a very small and minor change, but had a great impact, like a great leverage. Well, the the greatness of the impact uh, like derives from how you measure it. Um, for me personally, I think it's the little things that add up. Um, like, you know, it's kind of you're in this dark room and then someone pokes holes in the wall and then there's like these light beams. It's like the first steps creating yeah. an illum illuminated room. I like to think of the little things as more important. Like, as we always say, it's the little things. Yeah, I did some big initiatives with uh, like some software to make it easier for the people to ask for permissions and like so that they don't have to like come to the office all the time and have all these paperwork also with the environment. But the little thing I like the most is just very simple. We hung up and we did it in the toilets. So it's anonymous. We hung up some um, feedback boxes. Very, very simple. Like everybody can do that and any company can do it. Yeah. And people, they can write something and put it in there. And once a month, we collect all the feedback from all the boxes and we look at the feedback and then we act on it. Or if it's positive feedback, we like, we talk about it that, yeah, we, we got the, the nice feedback and it's like, we're going in the right direction. And that's something I find very beautiful. And as I, when I started it out, especially the management was very skeptical they thought well like i mean like the, the ceo said well everybody can talk to me like uh, I'm, i'm i'm here why wouldn't they talk to me or something like that but they understood that some might be anonymous and everything and but they didn't think it would be so much and then after the first month we already had i don't know how kind of half the employees had something to say it's amazing and you know an amazing thing there was only one negative thing And the negative thing, this was something about like uh, how some employees would handle uh, like some cleaning stuff. But the other, I don't know, 45, 50 uh, notes were all yeah. positive notes. Like, for example, that exactly this thing was something that they needed. For example, that uh, how everything is going, how we're working, how we're treating the employees and and. Uh, and how the culture is everything was very positive that's impressive and you know it's anonymous that like there's nobody getting credit for that yeah so someone got out of his way in his work time to put in something positive for the management which like you know usually the management has not this nice image true but uh, yeah that's the effort that pays emotionally Then also there are other projects <laughs> where no, you could like put like, more in numbers. <laughs> uh, but I really like this, like that you actually came up with this great idea. It might sound, as you said, very simple, very small, very minor. But in the end of the day, um, I also liked, I also like out of a competitive viewpoint, I also like to see the young generation being right, <laughs> like with, with, with certain ideas, you know, <laughs> it, it might sound a little like, Yeah, again, like, no, I'm, I just mean that I think there is a lot of potential in, in our age group when it comes to ideas, when it comes to creativity and creative approaches to make improvements within companies. I yeah. think um, I really love to see those things being like listened more often um, because still there are some companies uh, which do not listen, would not listen to. Yeah. Well, like with that case, with my case, it was 
it was the other way around. Like you have to, I have to defend the management because like the, the CEO was coming to me and asking, look, we got a workforce with a, with an average uh, age of 45 something. And uh, we want to get some new people in like uh-huh. younger generation yeah. people. And we don't want to scare them away. We want to be lean and we want to be technological and yeah. we want to be like, fun place to work at to work good at and we want to attract talents what can we do and i was like yeah i mean you need a change manager <laughs> that's me i could i could do it yeah. that's <laughs> and, and then yeah. i i accepted this challenge and uh yeah i think we we made a lot of progress actually i got the feedback that we made a lot of progress like even in uh like we met me- we measure it in numbers using the technology solutions uh feedback from the employees and overall corporate feeling i don't know how, yeah. to, how to describe it yeah um but yeah and like on the next note it's beautiful to see your own projects uh realized and improving the way people work i mean there's still a lot to be done like yeah we're in the we're in the starting the starting boxes like it's just at the beginning but i can see it over the next few years like vast improvements no i mean i also think what you said like uh, creating this uh, very attractive work place also for the younger generation all those things you said and but constantly working on it i think that also um puts you ahead of your competition because a lot of um, companies might not see the importance but i think those especially like creating an environment for an for employees which they really like coming to i think is extremely powerful what you also said i mean you know it much better than i do but it's so powerful when it comes to the productivity all those things i'm adding up and are going to to be maybe uh, maybe almost an exponential um, factor at some point when it comes to efficiency obviously there's not like um an efficiency which you can crank up to 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 infinity but when they feel healthy when uh, happy i think also in correlation with happiness at the workplace i think there's probably also um in correlation of how how often people get sick like how many uh, sick days yeah. people have <laughs> um definitely definitely but but just to wrap up the whole the whole topic i really love to see how passionate you are about this topic and that's really what we also said before, like when, when I hear those stories and especially when you get this positive feedback from also people and, and like, and, um, like people you might not know are getting those feedback forms. I think it's um, a certain payment to like, see, Hey, I did a good job man. like, I'm, I'm here and I'm doing something which help a lot of people. And, and this payment is, um, it can be measured in money. Like this is, I think, one of the the, the beautiful payments of, of being human. Um, also, for example, if you're in coaching, if you want to get be a coach or something and you really help someone and getting creating some breakthroughs, um, this feedback and this thank you afterwards, I think, is the payment you can't you can't measure with money. Like in a lot of jobs, also one of my friends chose to to um, take care of elderly people. Uh, he really loves it. Like he loves this job. Um, even so, a lot of people won't do it. But he said he loves to get the positive feedback of an old lady saying to him that he's such a nice guy and is taking those extra ten minutes to have a conversation with this lady. And plus, really taking care of him. I think this is also something which 
not not measurable on money it's just this like human interaction which we sometimes need to to also feel good in, in what we are doing and getting this support of other people an example of that maybe which i encounter every now and then is talking to taxi drivers like that's one of my favorite activities <laughs> my, my, my girlfriend is, is always making fun of me how much i talk to them or how much they talk to me i kind of like like sometimes i just ask questions and they like recount events from their life and how they got here and like I mean, yeah. usually they're from different countries how they got to germany and what they, they did at first how they came to using this service and like becoming taxi drivers and it's just very um it's i mean not that it's important on a factual level like i don't care if he was at bmw at first or if he comes from afghanistan or iran or whatever but you know just letting them talk about themselves for once and also like the experiences they had to to work through that's just that's a as you said before that's an insight you can't pay for yeah it's not it's not your corporate workshop that you have to do it's like that is human to human interaction live real uncut true <laughs> no that, that's that's also what i love valuable true that's very valuable but that's also what i love about the podcast first of all getting those human interactions getting to know those different yeah. life stories plus also i love to talk to taxi drivers but here <clears throat> in costa rica especially it's very difficult since my spanish is not good enough to actually ask those questions <laughs> i would love to ask because english is very like, yeah like a lot of people don't speak english like almost at all just very few words yeah. and that makes the conversation very difficult but Sometimes you get to know that, I don't know, one taxi driver sold mountain bikes before COVID. Now they got a taxi driver because of COVID since they don't earn enough money in their jobs. So it's like also like stories which put you into another gear of being thankful and, and you saying, hey, I'm in this position. I am very lucky right now that I don't have to struggle so much with, with my life, who's actually bringing food on the table, to be very honest. Um, but to... To, to finish up this whole story, I would love to come a little more to, to, to traveling. I mean, taxi is also connected to yeah. traveling <laughs> because you visit already a lot of countries and especially your China experience. What was your, to, to make it a little shorter, what was your most impress, impressive thing about China, first of all? Like what was those realization which you thought maybe also shocking, but also in a positive way, how efficient they might be? Or like, like a lot of people are saying, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, um, so I, I have, oh, I have always to give some backstory because I like talking, <laughs> you know me, <laughs> um, but yeah, just for this story to unfold, um, I have to say that I was the first time I was in China, it was for a week in 2014, I think. And then like, You know how it is going for a week to such a country. I mean, crazy <laughs> jet lag, crazy jet lag. Um, so everything was kind of nebulous for me. Then, you know, awful smog, like crazy awful smog. Like you, you couldn't see far, further than, I don't know, 200 meters. It was like smoking a pack of cigarettes every day. And then like all these new foods and people in English and like sometimes like hordes of tourists. And on the other parts, there was like only uh, Chinese people. And, and then... Like for me as a blonde guy and my brothers, which are also blonde, we were always the attraction, you know, there were lines of, uh, of Chinese girls that wanted to take pictures with us or just took pictures without even asking. That was my first experience, like the one week crash course in China. You know, actually, 
it never let me go. It was always very interesting. Like this, this crazy country, like coming from uh, like, excuse the, the wording, but coming from dirt, poor people from communism, from uh, a dictator to, I mean, there's still a dictatorship and everything, but like they had an amazing boom and an amazing increase in wealth. So for my studies, for my exchange semester, I wanted to try it out again. And I was prepared for a similar experience than the one 2014, but I was shocked to find China completely different, at least in some cases. Uh, The first thing was the smog. Um, I have been to China in winter and in winter, there's a lot more smog. And I was arriving to China in, uh, it was in 2018. It was like a month after we first met. Yeah. And it was summertime and there was a blue sky. It was beautiful. (laughs) It was very hot, like from the weather, it was very beautiful. And some people, especially like at the airport or then at the the university, were actually talking English. I was stunned. I had learned Chinese, like basic Chinese uh, to like make a bank account and, and a phone number and everything. But actually some would even speak English. So it was easier, like the bank was still a problem because the people in the bank wouldn't uh, wouldn't speak any uh, english but uh, it was all right we we kind of did it so my my uh, insights into china were very like it's a very fast country um some like in the first days we were at a bakery and in the next few days the bakery was gone and by the end of the semester a building was already standing there to be like moved in in like yeah like it's pretty fast it's like in a, in a matter of months they're building whole structures um while i was there they banned um combustion engines for the inner city i think so you would like i think for um I call it the scooters the little motorcycles yeah. um they were banning them if they weren't electric so to to reduce the pollution you know it's china they can do that if they say it, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> if they want to build a new palace, they just they just uh, like they tell you, they give you a note and say, next week we start building it. You better move out, and then they make you move out. It's a bad thing, but they do it, <laughs> and that's something I learned there. And yeah, also the people, obviously, like on the one hand, the I, I say Asians because there were not so many Chinese uh, people because the Chinese uh, guys and girls in our university, they would study very much. Um, they wouldn't have too much time for hanging out, um, at least in university. And the other ones, you know, would be difficult because they wouldn't know English, but also the other exchange student. And for me, it was also interesting to see Americans and Germans and Mexicans like struggling and confronting their culture to the Asian culture. It was very interesting to see how the different intercultural uh, communications happened, at at least for me. Maybe like maybe I was the worst. I don't know. I I did my fair (laughs) share of errors, too. I mean, I I have a Korean friend and he had to teach me how to eat, like not not in a proper way. I know how to use chopsticks, but uh, I thought, but he like taught me the real way and then how to, I don't know, we, we have our certain, um, like we're used to do things a certain way when eating. Yeah. And they have their uh, different styles and like styles to eat and styles to present the food. And then if you're finished, how, how do you do it? And 
yeah, it's different. And everybody has to learn it. Like, it's like you're a baby there. <laughs> you don't know shit. <laughs> no, no, that, that, no, that's still very, very impressive. And maybe, like, I, I think, especially, I think the cultural difference is, is, is remarkable, I think, especially when, when, like from a Western kind of viewpoint, yeah. it, it's so different. And also when it comes to respecting older people, all those stuff, I think is, is a whole different world. I don't know, maybe you can point out your biggest takeaway or your biggest realization from this trip in like a short paragraph, which made well, you realize something which you thought was very essential maybe for going on with your studies or in your studies. Well, it's, it's difficult. Um, being there in China with like many people uh, don't knowing how to um, read and write. Uh, one thing, like I wanted to talk about different things, but that's one thing I always take with me that so many people, especially people driving taxis and uh, like people doing um, very simple jobs, they, they didn't know how to read. I'm not talking only like Western reading, but also like the Chinese one. They only could talk. So my biggest takeaway from this land of the spoken language is that there are people living there with cell phones and whatever, and they have a store and they're paying taxes and or not, or they had, they're living their life completely in their own situation. They don't know about like political stuff. They, they don't, they don't read the newspaper. They only hear what other people tell them. They slightly live on a spoken language and, That's for me something like on the one hand, crazy, like, wow, uh, how can you live without that for me as a um, literate person? But I mean, that's, that's our arrogant as Western culture. And on the other hand, like, I mean, it's great how the mixture of technology and everything gives them the possibility to like move on with their days. And that's something, I don't know. I want to do something about it, but I don't know how. <laughs> Thinking about it a lot, actually. It's, no, it's, I think it's very, it's very impressive, like how, how this bubble of thinking is also very arrogant, what I say, but is quite like, it's very limited because since you're just getting some gossip off the street or something which other people yeah. tell you without, also, I mean, obviously, I don't know how, But China obviously is also, I think, probably limiting uh, what people are going to like kind of get to know or like like get educated in. Um, but it, I think it's impressive. Yeah, it's very impressive what you're just saying. M moving on from China, from your experiences there, the second question which I would love to ask is what was the most impressive journey which helped you on, on a personal level, on a self-development kind of, level was it the china experience or was it actually like a different story country i i understand um i mean the easy answer would be that it's not one single event or one single journey it's always the compendium of all my yeah. of all my uh experiences um but if i had to pin down one uh journey kind of yeah um then it was how I moved out from my like parents' house um, in 2017. Because like at first it wasn't very like new. I mean, it was 
kind of like a vacation and I would would come back home every now and then like once a month maybe and it was kind of always like a stay there stay there and then like and then with China it was kind of like a one-time experience so even if I moved out in 2017 it wasn't quite permanent to this day I still drive home regularly but I don't see it I don't see it the same anymore. I would say now I'm psychologically moved out. Oh, yeah. Even if I visit like the same amount of time, like if you're calculating the time, I'm like in the last year during during the pandemic, I was even more at home because yeah. I could work from home and like from home Italy yet now. Um, but from a psychological standpoint, like I moved in with my girlfriend over a year ago and uh, started to, I don't know, create a life here in Munich with my friends here with my work here with the second time studying here yeah. and yeah so this moving out which the journey is the last four years over which i changed a lot like from this student coming from like the arrogant high school thinking i can do everything and rip the world apart to like I hope a more reflected person that uh, doesn't read to flex with some titles of books or read because it thinks it has to read to, to fit a certain persona, but reading for the pure enjoyment, even difficult books for the pure enjoyment of, of the challenge. And also like letting a book down if it, if you don't like it and starting only things that, uh, that bring me like to the next step where I want to be. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's very funny that you actually mentioned this specific like situation of moving out. And my brother was actually mentioning that in the last podcast because he just um, moved like moved to Eindhoven, um, Netherlands, where he now is studying. And it's also like this kind of first time feeling of being on your own, um, having your own walls, having your own kind of room personal space creating from the ground on your life in a different city i think it's a very special moment Get, getting to see also in the beginning you don't know anyone you you don't know like what your routine is yeah. kind of but step by step the further you go you see hey um I get start to get friends there i i don't know i know yeah. where the bakery my bakery might be which i really like i i just know yeah. the place and i think this is beautiful to see this journey of moving into a city getting to know a city and really yeah. yeah i mean i'm not a psychoanalyst by any means but uh freud uh said once that like symbolically any man to become free they must kill the father or the or their father must die to set them free kind of and like i don't believe in that like virtually but like spiritually like Moving to, I mean, I was always free. I was like, I was 18 years old. My, my parents, they wouldn't have strict rules for me because like uh, everything was fine. So I could do whatever I want. But still, there's something different about like living in the house of your parents and living in your own flat, even, even if like my parents support me financially for whatever. But yeah, it's still a different thing living for yourself, cleaning your lawn like doing your laundry and washing your dishes and i don't know like hosting your own parties and and True. then afterwards uh, restructuring i don't know the flat <laughs> um i mean symbolically 
like I emancipated myself from my parents. Yeah. And uh, what is very interesting, uh, I like, I mean, I always loved my parents, but with this feeling of, with this new feeling of freedom, I came to realize that, oh, I, I love them even more. Like I respect yeah. them even more for like everything they did and everything they do. And uh, that's a very interesting realization, you know, because usually as a teenager, you're kind of like, nah, like I'm not interested in what they do. And like, True. I don't care. And I never was this kind of moody teenager, but still everybody has its phases uh, yeah. where you, where you're really like, you're, you're right. Where you like, yeah, where you really don't understand. I don't know why, why your parents might do certain things, but in the end of the day, if you have a healthy family, they just really try always the best uh, to, to, yeah. to make you happy. And sometimes they put your happiness in front of their happiness, which is, I think, the most impressive thing like moms, dads can do like um, to, to make your life the best um, experience yeah. they can do. And especially also our parents, I think, are like kind of similar. They let us a lot of freedom. But, but you're right to like realize then when you are in your own flat and you live your own life, realizing they gave me so much freedom. They, I had so much opportunities. They, they gave me all those things, which now really uh, ended up being also uh, great drivers for, for my own life, like great, great, great drivers of, of what, who I am now. To, to finish up the whole thing, the whole traveling, all those experiences, were very interesting for me to listen to but what i love to ask at the end of a podcast is really what what kind of advice would you give to to the to the people who are listening um, which brought you the furthest like what is what would this advice be maybe some difficult advice at first listen listen to yourself carefully our body works just fine usually. And if something hurts, it's not good for you. Like if you're getting sick from some people or sick from some uh, tasks, don't do them and don't meet them. Like you have the options. And then the second one is start things with the mindset to finish them, but don't force yourself to finish them. Yeah, that's something like I was the person that could never... I'm still, it's still difficult for me to put a book away that I don't like if I'm like in the middle of it, because I just want to force myself to finish it. Impressive. But, but like life is too short to read half a bad book. Like don't do it. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's some, some great insights you just gave um, to finish up the podcast. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very thankful for, for, for having this conversation for, getting all those insights out, out to, to, to all the beautiful listeners. Is there anything else you want to add on in, to this podcast, which you think might be valuable? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I don't know how like your listeners can get in touch, but um, if someone is interested about like more details of my doings and, or maybe like, I don't know, just some exchange made professional, maybe personal, whatever yeah. um, you usually can find me like, I can give you my email or something and then they can write me or my articles where I try to, I don't know, dive into topics of work life or whatever reading and self-improvement kind of, and uh, give a mixture of scientific views and my personal experiences, opinion. And 
yeah, it's it's on Medium with my name, Peroni Phillips. So I'm gonna I'm gonna link it. You I, you can put a link. Gonna, <laughs> so exactly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna link it underneath it. Um, so yeah. yeah, please yeah reach out to to Philip really. Um, also I don't know if you if you have some any personal questions also about him about his journey about maybe I, I think maybe he can answer for for you as well. I think you would love to to do that and and you're like super open, and uh, for for getting to know couple more people uh, obviously um, and obviously have more people to also consume those beautiful things you're producing with that said um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast I'm very glad that you made the time and yeah oh I did yeah. thank you very much thank you thank you much. for having me it was so much fun <laughs> talking about myself as always <laughs> oh, but also very uh, valuable insight from your part I mean I, I don't listen to every single episode but uh, every now and then I like dive into it and it's it's just very it's exhilarating thank you so much really so appreciate the beautiful feedback